I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right, Richard, I'm very excited to talk about this week's episode of The X-Files. I, I mean, <laughs> Firewalker. It's very... It, uh, the, the similarities were very obvious. This is the mirror counterpart of Ice, but Ice was one of my favorite episodes. This episode did enough of its own thing to not feel like a rehash and was just as scary in a very different way. And after... The weirdness of the beginning of the uh, of the first half or whatever chunk of the f- second season we've had, what better way to say we're back informed as, than to have a different version of a first season during the beginning? Especially given that Ice was – we've reread it as a major point in Scully and Mulder's relationship. That was a kind of a moment where they bonded and learned to trust each other a little bit more – now they're back and they're in a situation with paranoia possible possible, and they don't fight within each other in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that there's a lot of thematic character work going on in this episode that is worth talking about. I just don't really I, – I, I'm not impressed by this episode. Okay. And I – I'm not surprised that you liked it more than I did. I, I think that for me, I don't know that this episode does enough that's different from Ice or even Darkness Falls, for example. Yeah. It just feels it feels very samey to me. And and one of the things that I that I read in preparation for recording this episode of, of tuning in is that they explicitly did this episode because of the popularity and success of Ice from the first season. Which to me mm. I don't know how I feel about that because there there is a real danger of making the episode too samey, and I think it falls into that trap. I I think that while some of the Mulder and Scully character work is interesting, I don't find the episode all that scary only because we've seen this before and they got out of this situation already. The, the only difference really is that the person who is killing people people is not the well there's two things going on here so you've got the alien fungus or whatever that that is uh uh, infecting people and killing people in a similar way to how the protozoa from ice infected people and killed people it doesn't turn them into you know homicidal rage monsters like the protozoa did in ice but you've got this scientist who has essentially become i don't know like the guy from heart of darkness (laughs) wandering around killing people and well, I don't know. It just to be fair, it, feels, he, it feels perfunctory to me. I, I I can see that, but I guess the I guess is a meaningful, important episode of television. No, maybe this isn't the. Maybe this won't make my top ten at the end of the. I mean, this isn't a one breath episode. This isn't an Erlenmeyer flask. This isn't a big episode. It's not a Red Museum. <laughs> but yeah, but it's also not a three. I mean, after sure. <laughs> I I think in terms. I mean, I did find the. I found the makeup effects, the fungal things to be terrifying. Even I, I, as a, it's Friday night, it's dark out, and I'm watching the X-Files, and ah, kind of a thing. I really liked this episode, and I don't know. There was a sense of rightness and a return to form that I felt very comfortable with, which is weird, but I think important to mention that I am, that I felt this about this episode. This is a... I guess, sign that I am developing some affection for the X-Files that when it is doing a bog-standard X-Files episode, 
it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I think that that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, you know, this is a return to form yeah. for the show. The X-Files has reopened. Mulder and Scully are back on the case. And we have not seen this since the end of the first season. It hasn't been that long, of course. It's only been about yeah. a month for us. But it, it is the case that this is the show back to normal. And you're right that going into this type of episode, which is very thematically and even structurally similar to a very classic first season episode, is an interesting way to to do it. I, I, I guess I'm just having a different reaction than you because I... I mean, I've, I mean, I've seen this episode a bunch before. I, you've never seen it before, yeah. so I kind of already knew what was happening. But it just kind of feels very—I don't know. Again, it feels very perfunctory to me. Like I—I'm with you. I like watching Mulder and Scully talk to each other. Spin, you know, Mulder spinning his crazy theories to Scully, and Scully saying, "No, that's not right," and you know, having all of that sort of character work going on. But at the same time, I don't care about the guest characters the way that I did in Ice. I, I don't think yeah. they're very. I don't think that they're very interesting. You don't really have anybody in like ice. For example, I can still remember the, you know, scientist who loved football and the, you know, the bickering couple and the bear, the, the pilot who was kind of uh, sardonic and weird, the dog. I could not tell you a single one of their names aside from maybe Tanaka because I wrote it down. Well, there was uh, the, there was the grad student lady. There was the Japanese guy. And then there was, Another dude whose face I probably will remember if you give me a few minutes. Hang on. That, no, that that you're right. That is true, and and I, I won't disagree that this is a. I, I I mean, at the end of the episode, for example, the, so this grad student is is infected, and she randomly handcuffs herself to Scully. I don't know why where that comes out of. Yes, at the time watching it. Is, yeah, why why would she do that? Because there's no indication throughout the episode that this alien fungus or whatever yeah. is affecting the way that they act. And no indication that this woman is somebody who would be so vindictive. Well, if I'm not getting out, you're not getting out. That doesn't seem... It, it doesn't seem like they established that part of her character if this is just her defiance at at the end of her life um that's yeah again this is a we have talked we've mentioned this a couple of times on the x-files of yeah the second time through when you know the twist it isn't as and i can certainly see that watching the scene with how the hell is scully gonna get out of this one? Oh my god she knows exactly what's gonna happen this is a race against time it's it, it's a very heightened scene where you're worried and yes but you're right. the 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 premise of it that she is going to handcuff herself to Scully to infect her doesn't necessarily track. Yeah, because I I I, I think especially the end where you were just talking about putting Scully in danger and how is she going to get out of this situation. You know, that that's something that, that might have worked in the first season. I don't know that it necessarily works two episodes after she disappeared because the show is not going to. I mean, Scully disappearing for, for an episode was obviously, I don't know if it was shocking, but it was something, that, and, and even shutting down the X-Files, right? Yeah. Like, these, these are minor changes to the, well, or sometimes major changes to the status quo that nevertheless are not going to be permanent. This is, not, this is a show called The X-Files. The X-Files is not going to be shut down for five seasons. But putting Scully in danger at the end of Firewalker after she disappeared in uh, Dwayne Barry... I don't necessarily think is the way to go because this episode seems to forget kind of what 
happened in the past like month or so in these characters lives a little bit and on the one hand i agree with you that it is nice that the show is returning to to form or or theme and is just having Mulder and scully go off and solve a mystery they haven't missed a beat they haven't worked together like this in a while even though Mulder was still leaning on scully in the first part of the the second season when the x-files was closed but they're they're still with it they still know what they're doing they still know how to work together very well but it does feel to me like, okay, at the end of the episode, you know they're not going to put Scully in serious danger because they already did that. And yeah, I, it, it, we'll see I don't to, know. See to me because I know they're not going to put either of the characters into life-threatening. Neither of the characters is going to die because they already died at the end of Darkness Falls. And this is, as I said, they're, they're dying dreamed. But um, <laughs> I guess for me, I'm not wondering, is Scully going to get out of this? But... How is she going to get out of this? What's going to happen? This is a race against time. I mean, we we watched plenty of I, – I know that – this is something we used to talk a lot on our Star Trek podcast. What are the stakes? Do we feel that the stakes are high enough? And Trekaboutshow.com. I, I'm starting to shift away from that because I guess I can accept that somebody who has – a fungal parasite in them that's going to release spores that will, if you inhale them, the same thing will happen to you. To me, that's stakes. That's fine. I don't care that I know that Scully's going to win this one. What I want to see is how she beats the odds. How is she going to, how is she going to get out of this one? And that, that to me is where the tension does come from. Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly can see that. And I, I, I don't want to discount the real fact that this is a well-constructed episode. And, it, you know, it's it's scary. It's dramatic. The makeup effects are good, as you said. Uh, it, it moves along at a nice clip, even though I do find it a little boring sometimes. But it, it is the case that the show does have a baseline level of, of I, I don't even want to say competence because that seems churlish. I mean, the show is, is very, very good at doing what it does. And I think that this is an episode that showcases that very nicely. They, they know what they're doing. They know how to do it. They know how to do it well. Uh and I guess maybe sometimes that's all you can ask for. I just, I don't know, coming after, and I kind of get the point that, okay, after an episode like One Breath, which, you know, this beautiful meditation on on, yeah. on life and, uh, uh, you know, is Scully going to get out of the situation or not? Is she going to die or not? There's a lot of mysticism involved in that episode. This is the, the, the cleanser of that episode. This yeah. is the episode that is saying, all right, we're back to normal now. Everything's fine. I just, I wish it was better <laughs> that's like no i i i can see that i mean i i they there are i think twice they do have Mulder being like are you sure you want to go on this you okay and she kind of rebuffs that um which 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 interestingly enough i i, I noticed as well and it's one of the moments of the, the episode i really like because yeah. he also did that after her father died and beyond the city <laughs> yeah and, and she's done to him in uh similar situations when he's and I do appreciate that. Again, it's it's not a condescending concern for her. She was just in oh a, no, she was just in a coma a month ago. Are we really, really sure a remote location with the possibility of some kind of danger is where you want to be right now? Are you physically up to uh, the episode? Especially the ending of the episode does prove that she is able to handle herself at this point. And is. Did she recover more quickly from this from her ordeal than we think may be in real life? Possibly, but it is a TV show, and if it says a month, I'm gonna have to believe it was a month. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we don't know how much time has gone by. You know, it, 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 it's possibly the case that, I don't know, the X-Files comic books from 1996 went into the month that they had different cases before Firewalker, who the hell knows, and, you know, had a had a multi had a multi-issue uh, arc about Scully doing a lot of yoga. I don't know. Yeah, but, Mulder but, joined the uh, Nazis for that month, and then it was revealed that it was really controversial. <laughs> but, uh, it, 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 yeah, I think that's right. I mean, the, one of the things that I think is, is interesting about episodic television in general, which is very different from serialized television, is that there is a... There is a looseness to time yeah. that I think can be very useful to telling stories and getting characters in places that you want them to and you don't really question it. I mean, I think that if th- something like this had happened in Breaking Bad or Lost, for example, yeah. we would have been like, what the fuck? This is this is a cheat. There's no way that they would have been ready to do this because two days have gone by. Well, but the episode it's... says it's been a month and that's fine. We don't care. We don't really need to know what they were doing in that month. Yeah, Breaking Bad and Lost were very specific, I remember, about time and both have relatively short uh, time spans. I mean, they're on the island for something like six months. Breaking Bad is about a year and the life. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, in Breaking Bad, not to spoil, but a character does get into some very serious physical injuries and does spend the better part of the season in physical therapy for that. I don't want, but uh, but it is true that I don't want to see the rest of the season being Scully relearning to walk while Mulder goes off on cases on his own and figures it out because that's going to be a season full of threes, right? I yeah. I, I yeah. would rather they take the month and this they do have the option to do the life with the boring bits removed kind of storytelling in this that – I mean I'm really appreciating the kind of – interim style that's happening because it does allow for character development and changes to the world of these characters without it being well we need to see every single step in between you know we can elide some stuff and it will be it'll be okay because we're not asked to view this so we 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 aren't expected to place everything into a very tight timeline right now yeah, I, I think that's right. And I mean, not not to turn this into a, a big discussion of the merits, uh, you know, of episodic and, and certain yeah. storytelling techniques. But I, I do think there is a in general, I think that, that a lot of television shows have gone a little bit too far down the serialized path. I think it's a little bit of a, a storytelling fad right now. And it's been a, well, I don't know, it's been 10 years or so, so I don't even know if you can call it a fad necessarily. It's just the way television is made now. But I, I do think that there is a very strong case to be made for a more episodic form of storytelling where episodes are discrete entities that tell satisfying stories that you don't need to watch you know, 17 other hours of television to, to understand. And I, I actually think that this is a, a very, this episode in particular is, is a, is a, is a great example of that only because it is so ordinary. You know, we don't need to know what happened in the other episodes to find this episode, interesting, entertaining, scary, all of those things. Now, if you have been watching the show, you know, for the past year and a half or so, you will find very different meanings in a lot of the, the scenes in this episode, but it's not necessary to to get the point of this episode in particular. Yeah, but at the same, which is it is interesting though because that does make a very uh, jarring contrast to time. Because an episode like One Breath is not an episode that you're just going to watch as an isolated. I could show somebody Firewalker or maybe even Red Museum, and they'll be able to get it if there's some references that they don't quite. But but then an episode like One Breath does depend upon you having seen it all and per- i i 
I think that's interesting given that given that people weren't number one always used to watching television in that way and number two episodic television began to catch on in the 2000s because uh dvds were getting uh very well accepted and so you had the ability to oh well serialized you mean you see serialized yes sorry um serialized television became more popular because you could get all the dvds and you could watch the full series and therefore i'm not going to worry about missing an episode which if you're hoping to catch it on television every week you might not so it is a i i i I just find it interesting again this is one of the reasons i was curious about the x-files was seeing how this method of storytelling developed because the x-files really is credited with being one of those formative shows in the creation of serialized television as we know it now I, I, I actually think that's really right. And and one of the things that I think you're missing and maybe a lot of people are missing, well, there's two things. Number one, of course, is that, you know, I don't have an exhaustive knowledge of television. I have a pretty good knowledge of television, but I certainly don't. I mean, I have holes in my knowledge. I, I don't know a lot about, say, 70s and 80s television, for example, aside from sitcoms. But for, for me, I look at something like, you know, that uh, and say, well, two things. Number one... I think that serialization kind of started with with, with science fiction television or, or genre television more specifically because that was something that was possible. The types of people that watch mm. genre television are are going to be more obsessive about not missing episodes, right? And that that's part of it, I think. That that's the number one reason why I think it, it kind of started with the X-Files, Babylon 5, I think Deep Space 9, you get a lot of I mean Space Above and Beyond is a perfect example that was developed by by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. I, I think there are other uh, television shows out there as well that were more serialized that that were genre shows. I don't know that there were a lot of serialized television shows that were not genre shows and I think that that's some, that's that's a pet theory of mine. I don't have any real Well, my counterpoint um, to that is soap operas where serialized storytelling what? done every day and a very specific a specific style of storytelling, yes, but I mean one of the I know you hate the show Friends, for example, but that show was a lot more – had a lot more serialization than I think you would expect. It was largely in terms of the characters' relationships and their jobs and things like that. But these are characters who are growing and changing very much and major things are happening in the context of a half-hour sitcom. Uh, and yes, and that and that is my – this is my second point to that, which I, 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 I have a counterpoint to that because okay. – or, or a counterargument to that or an answer <laughs> to that criticism of my theory because I, I think you're right that – I mean soap operas are a separate thing and I don't think they're really – I don't think soap operas are as influential on 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 like prestige primetime dramas as you think they are. Uh, but at the same time, they're the, I don't the, think they're the, worth the, discounting. But anyway, uh, maybe I don't know. The serialization of soap operas is very different from the type of serialization that I'm talking about. Yeah. But I I also think the second part of that is 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 VCRs hmm. and and the the prevalence and rise of the technology of being able to record a television show. If you were going to be out of the house or otherwise in other otherwise occupied and watch it later, and as yeah, that's true. I mean, when did when did VCRs with recording capabilities really uh, start to become something that could be assumed that most people in America had? The nineties, yeah, late 80s, so, yeah, early nineties. Uh, Fre- Friends could get more serialized. I think something like Seinfeld, for example, yeah. is, is is definitely more serialized. So. That is the second part of that where, you know, maybe science fiction television shows were, were starting to do 
more serialization, but also it was kind of percolating out into into other non-genre television as well because of the VCR. Now, who knows? And I do think there is a different type of like the X-Files versus Lost, which is when I think about one of the first like big shows that everybody watched that had kind of a modern, even though Lost turned into what I think is nothing at the end, uh, there was an expectation of density and you were supposed to rewatch this and uh, you could go back to earlier episodes and pick up clues that you missed and things like that. The X-Files isn't that dense of a show. I think it does expect you to be able to follow along by watching each episode once, which in a VCR era, you're right. You might just retape. You have your tape and every you watch your X-Files and then you tape it over the next week and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think I mean you know kind of to to get back to to the X Files and in particular Firewalker I I think that you know this is probably a good example of that where this is the kind of episode that you know what if you missed it would you really yeah. care that much I, I don't think so and and I think that that's kind of interesting in light of of its placement in the season coming between One Breath and Red Museum which are both you know a very kind of heavy heavy character work but also be kind of interesting and and important to to the overall mythology of of the x-files and you know as as it stands i also wonder how were these episodes being marketed because i mean there were certainly this week on the x-files and you'd be reading the tv guide so maybe it was made more clear like this is going to be a heavy mythology episode this week so you'd better tune in to find out about the aliens like what was it marketed in that way I, I don't know. I think that's a good question. I mean, uh, certainly, you know, there's there's the joke of you know, well, tonight somebody dies, you know, kind of a thing. Like maybe this was, uh, or the you shock- could say that every week with the X Files. Yeah, that's true. But like the shocking X Files. If you miss one episode of the X Files, I mean, they used to advertise TV in that way, right? Do they still advertise TV? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, you, you. For, Nobody is going to say this is the Game of Thrones episode you cannot miss because with it because generally every episode is they're trying to have something big in it. No, and they 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 definitely got away from that sort of like this week on the X Files, yeah. you know, kind of stuff. I mean, there. Well, you could you could get the uh, the Blu-rays of TNG and watch all of those thirty-second uh, 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 spots. For, I for loved those. Yeah, we watched a couple. Yeah. So, any, but, but I think that, well, we could talk about this for, we could probably do a whole other podcast on this, but uh, maybe the final question I'll ask you about, about Firewalker, and then we can move on to Red Museum, because I'm kind of sensing we're both excited yeah. to talk about it, is, uh, the, the, I think the other problem I always have with this episode is it just feels very cliched or very rote to, to have the brilliant scientist be in a relationship with his grad student. Yeah. Like, it's not a big problem with the episode but there's just kind of a i don't know it just feels like there's a lack of lack of desire or a lack of excitement about this episode it's like well ice was successful so we need to do another one and we're going to do this and it's the exact i mean it's even the exact opposite right it's taking place in a fucking volcano yeah. and you know the last one i mean it literally was called ice um, and they couldn't call this episode fire because they already had an episode called fire, I guess. <laughs> well, so, which, which, and th- another reason they regret making that episode, but that's a different story. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. But, uh, but it's just kind of the thing where it's like, I just feel like it's very, I don't know. This episode feels very flat. Well, me. I want to say this is actually kind of making me think of a, the moment towards the end of the episode when, uh, Mulder finally meets Trepkos and Trepkos is like, let me tell you about the elephant. And one man thought it was a rope and the other man thought it was, 
David Duchovny just puts his head in his hands, really annoyed and irritated. And that is obviously one of those things that wasn't in the script, but you can definitely see Mulder thinking, oh God, this fucking story. Oh, he thinks I haven't heard the story about the man and the elephant. Okay. I got to sit through this because he's the one with the gun and I'm just going to wait for my moment to have the actual part of the conversation. Like, I don't know. I think that's symbolic of the episode in that, yeah, maybe there are some very lazy things, but I do think that Duchovny and Anderson do a very good job of transcending it. I think that's – again, the show is the two of them, and, and I, it's yeah, – yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a really, really strong point to to end this this segment on because that really is the X Files in a nutshell. Uh, is Mulder and Scully? You watch this show for Mulder and Scully, yeah, first and foremost. And yes, you will watch episodes, you will be entertained by episodes, you will find them scary, you will find them whatever. But if Mulder and Scully are not bringing it, the episode is going to suffer. And yeah. maybe that's why this episode is is just okay, because I don't know if Mulder and Scully are bringing it necessarily. There's a couple of good scenes. I think, you know, Duchovny with, with Trebne, Tre, what's his name? Trebkos? Trebkos. I always get him confused with the guy from Ghost in the Machine because it's like it's just another uh, condescending, brilliant asshole that thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the room. Um but it is the case that like Mulder and Scully are sort of just maybe and maybe it's intentional. Maybe they're trying to figure out, you know, getting used to working with each other again. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's time to move on to Red Museum because this is a much yeah. better episode than Firewalker. I was very surprised by this episode by the connections to the larger plot came out of nowhere and surprised the hell out of me. And yes, I like that. <laughs> It, it's a very – you were talking before about how The X-Files is not a dense show, and I would generally agree with that. But then you get episodes yeah. like this, which I don't think are, are, are dense necessarily, but they they contain so much plot and so much backstory in 45 minutes and start in one place and, and end in yeah. a completely different and unexpected place that and, and it, it it completely tracks it completely makes sense it is very easy to follow and i don't think the show gets enough credit for that i mean chris carter is a little mm. bit of a punchline nowadays maybe i don't know maybe less so or more so because of the x-files revival i don't know we will obviously talk about that when we get to season 10 and then season 11 of the x-files in 17 years in 17 years but Chris Carter wrote this episode. I, I think it's very, very good. I think it's very strong. I I think that where it ends up is so different from where it starts. But again, it completely tracks, completely yeah. makes sense. And it is, I mean, that, that moment when, when Scully realizes who yeah. the guy in the car is, that is a holy shit moment that I think still works 20 years later. Yeah, because... Number one, I didn't even think about the person who killed Deep Throat was an actual person that they could see again, that they can meet again. I figured it was just going to be more of it's ambiguous and it doesn't matter. And the fact that when that comes and then you realize, oh, this is actually – this is a very – this episode is about something very different than we initially thought it was. Um, I've talked about some of the Twin Peaks influences on this show, and this is a very Twin Peaks episode uh, in terms of the plot that you have some somebody returning to the wo- from the woods days and gone through some kind of ordeal. These 
words. He is one. Uh, Twin Peaks has fire walk with me as kind of a repeated motif. Uh, the focus on physical spaces in this episode, in the barn where the uh, Red Museum members meet, in the house of uh, – this, the main kid in the fact that there is the secret peep room in their house like yeah that yeah. is a very Twin Peaks thing um and I like that the show is able to take the tone and the influence and some of the some of the even similar techniques as the show and yet it is still very much its own thing this doesn't feel like uh, Scully and Mulder are visiting a different show or they're trying to shoe her and their fan fiction characters into no it feels this is where they will be this is the kind of realm that they live in well and I also I, I agree with all of that but I also think that the other kind of understated or, or maybe un, un, unsung virtue of of Red Museum is that it, it expands the the palette of the alien yeah. conspiracy in a very interesting way because it it, it implies well it doesn't imply it explicitly states outright that the alien conspiracy is so broad throughout society that this sort of seemingly completely unrelated case of of young people in this wisconsin town disappearing has something to do with the alien conspiracy and I'm not saying that every single X-File that Mulder and Scully have investigated so far is related to the alien conspiracy in some way. I don't think that's the case at all. But I think that this is the episode where they realize how deep it goes and and how extensive it is. Yeah, this has been – and in a way we are seeing – the alien conspiracy is – I wouldn't even say the alien conspiracy is a disease. The alien conspiracy is a manifestation of the disease of that, that America has. There is some kind of problem infecting it. Uh, the alien DNA is the way is that manifestation, and the symptoms are the red wedding, the Erlen, the I'm sorry, the, and the symptoms are the red museum, the uh, Erlenmeyer flask, uh, all of these, and we will certainly see other things where it's. Uh, the alien DNA has created this kind of a monster kind of a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the... I I really want to talk about the scene where the rancher takes them off and he's talking about, well, the bovine growth hormone and it didn't used to be like this. We were nice to our neighbors. You know, now we have high school kids raping and things like that. Um, in this episode... I mean, I remember where, in the early 90s that RBST was becoming a very controversial issue for uh yeah the, I, I thought it was very funny to have the RBST episode that was definitely putting this in a specific time period but wait till you wait till you uh get to the pog episode I love pogs um and if you if you flip the pog it takes your soul that will be really cool um he Obvious. That's the episode that Stephen King wrote. <laughs> I have seen the Stephen King episode, and I'm really I'm, excited. I'm, 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 I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, now, obviously, in the world of the X-Files, this hormone, which isn't actually RBST, but is this Erlenmeyer flask uh, substance, is something which is creating rage, creating evil into these. But what he is really talking about is capitalism creating a spirit of competition. In other words, RBST is something which was used in order to create more yield of milk in at at 
what cost? At a cost of the health of the community, at the cost of the health of the cows, at the cost of – and further, right. that spirit of competition is really what has infected this town and frankly in real life. In real life, RBST is not an alien virus. It may even gen- genuinely be safe as – Scully meekly says the government has said, um, I, I, I don't know, but what has dis- is and is destroying America is this is a cancerous capitalism is that competition above everything else is the profit is more important than the health of and the welfare of the community and its animals. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that's part of it. And and. What is so interesting to me about Red Museum is that this episode could could handle, I mean, se- probably 17 different interpretations or, or kind of theories about, about what its themes are. Because I, I think all that's right, and I certainly think it's implicit in the episode in that, I, I mean, the scene with the ranchers is great. And it's got a lot of interesting resonances with the ways in which the show is critiquing, I think, American culture in a certain sense. And I think you're starting to, to, to see that in the show. Because I, I've always said that one of the things the X-Files is, is really interested in and Chris Carter is interested in is looking at different corners of America and, and kind of putting their own spin on it. And I look at the Red Museum episode and I, I say, okay, well, here is, here's the cult episode, right? Here is Chris Carter kind of talking about uh, these these outsized things that people are scared of because they are explicitly outside of the normal culture of America to, to such a degree that they are dressing differently. They are not mixing with the outside pretty much at all, right? And it turns out, of course, that the cult is not what the problem is. And I think Mulder is sort of... he's. I think Mulder is, is a little bit disappointed in himself for assuming that this cult quote-unquote is 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 the problem and they're not well so uh uh, i do have a couple of uh, i i found certain parts of the plot slightly ambiguous so basically these kids are being treated this doctor has cut a deal with the government he's treating these kids with alien dna under the pretext of virus of vitamins um yes that goes on. Meanwhile, this Red Museum moves into town um, because every because all the cows are also being treated with this stuff. Everybody in the town is eating the cow is eating the beef that's been treated with that, and so they have some that's leading to the increased violence and mistrust and all of that. Meanwhile, the Red Museum are not eating the meat, and so they they're immune to the they they are not feeling any of the effects of this. Is it the Red Museum who is kidnapping these kids in order to expose this? Is that no? Gerd is kidnapping the kids. I mean and that right. that's what that's what the point of that interrogation scene at the end of the episode is. Is that the 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 the, the, the ostensible reason why they came to the town actually doesn't really have anything to do with. Uh, uh, what the what the sort of alien conspiracy yeah. plot is doing in this town, right? So it's they are just, just an. They are just a group of people legitimately just do not believe in eating meat and have decided to go into the most meaty town that they can find in order to make their stand. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because because Gerd, at the end of the episode, I mean, Gerd is the guy who who is working with, uh, I guess we can call them purity control, right? Because Scully calls yeah. them purity control. So let's yeah. just call them purity control for, for sake of having something to call them. So so Gerd is working with, with purity control, as is the guy that, the guy who murdered Deep Throat, yeah. Uh, also murders, right? The uh, m- mustachioed uh, guy. And so 
they come to this town, Mulder and Scully come to this town because children, well, teenagers are being kidnapped and they have this weird, he is one, she is one on their back, but he's not injuring them in any way. Physically, it doesn't seem they're not being sexually assaulted. They're not being uh, violently assaulted. It's just a psychological trauma, psychological. Well, they're being drugged and given a loose. I I would not. Yeah, that's true. I would not want what happens to these kids to happen to me or anybody I know. So, um, but why is he kidnapping and writing the he is one? I didn't quite get that part. I, I guess he's just supposed to be criminally insane. I don't know. That's the part of the episode that's a little weird. Like he just seems that he has a sort of problem with people in general. I mean, right? yeah, I, the, the the sense I got from him was uh, from that scene. Well, he was, was uh, yeah. He's trying to. He he's I guess trying to uh, uh, expose them in some sort of weird way because he's only kidnapping teenagers that were uh, treated with the the purity control yeah. alien DNA. So he is one, she is one means that they're being treated with the alien control DNA. I don't know if we're supposed to take it any further than that. I mean, to a certain degree, I think that that this episode kind of is is putting together a lot of things that were kind of in the zeitgeist of the culture in the early nineties about, you know, kidnappings of teenagers and kidnappings of children and, and sort of things like that. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we don't know why people are being kidnapped. We don't know why children are being murdered, but here is a guy who is doing it for reasons that are not great, but also are not terrible because he is trying to, in some weird way, help them. Now, I don't know. After taking videos of them for its implied pregnant purposes. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think you're a guy. I, 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 I think you are maybe underselling how shitty Gerd is, but that's a different, um, I mean, yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm, now, not, I'm, I'm not saying anything yeah. about about Gerd's problems. I mean, I'm just specifically fair, talking fair. about what what he's doing in this episode. Now, everything else he's doing is obviously horrible, and <laughs> he is a he should be in prison, uh, and he should be in prison for a long time because he is violating. Uh, uh, the the privacy of 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 adults as well as children i mean i have to say uh the mother in that scene takes the takes the news that somebody has been hiding in her house and taking videos so well because i would have been just fucking screaming for the next week like without (laughs) yeah i mean she's obviously (laughs) drugged as well (laughs) yeah i i and and i think there is partial i i guess you could take the implication that uh, whatever direction in life Gerd was going to take, all of this exposure to all of this stuff just through his work probably has shifted him into certain directions. But yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I mean, maybe the last thing to say about the alien conspiracy and the main plot of the episode is that you know Scully, Scully disappears. You know, in the interrogation scene, and the end of the episode, of course, is the man they catch and he's murdered by by the the sheriff, and it's this nice little coda of the episode that the man who brings them there is also the man that that kills their only lead for uncovering what the alien conspiracy is doing or what's going on with it. And of course, it's like, okay, well, this is the X Files, so every single time they're going to lose the evidence because they can't get the evidence because we want the show to continue. I get that, um, but. I don't know. Do you do you feel like that is a satisfying way for this episode to end? I mean, they did solve the crime that brought them there, and they also did uncover that there was some sort of yeah. alien conspiracy. I mean, there's a little bit of there's a little I, bit of coincidence going on here. Maybe a bit too coincidence. I mean, we haven't even really talked about the the plane crash as well, which seems like 
that's coincidence maybe going a bit too far i'm not saying this episode is perfect but i don't know i i almost i got the sense the plane was sabotaged frankly yeah that's possible too i mean i figured they're tying up loose ends they're trying to kill everybody involved so the doctor's one of them so you know make it look like a plane crash um but i i that said i do like the 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 series in general runs on a paranoid theme uh, paranoid tone and to end an episode with we're only sort of sure what happened. We have some ideas. Our biggest lead is gone, and we still haven't figured out what happened to that plane, and we don't really have any evidence anymore, but holy shit, a lot of things probably happened here. Again, adds to that ambiguity, to that mystery. This is – I'm not going into the we, – we talked about Lost earlier. I felt so disappointed with Lost because it felt like – there was a there was a point of a while where it felt like they were building to something specific and that they knew all the answers behind this and that they were going to and when it turned out that they didn't really it was a letdown. I'm going into the X-Files knowing that I'm not necessarily going to get a satisfying answer to most of my questions, but in a way that works with it because this is a show uh, this is an uns- this is supposed to give you that same scared feeling when you finish an episode of unsolved mysteries right like what the fuck happened right i think yeah cuz that well that's what i wanted to say about red museum is that you know we're talking about the episode and the plot and everything and i think it's all valid to do that but at the end of the day uh like what exactly happened like was there any forward momentum i i think the answer is no no, but I think it does make – even if at the end of the day we learn – I mean everything with this conspiracy so far has been the bottom dropping out, right? First of all, we just think, all right, there's, ali- there's, there's aliens and the government wants to hide that fact. Okay. And then we learn that it's a worldwide conspiracy. Okay. And then we learn that there's experimentation with alien DNA. Okay. And now we learn that it's probably going around in towns all over the country. I mean, what's the next horrible thing we're going to learn about this? It, I, that extensiveness, that how connected this all are, um, again, Mulder and Scully can trust each other. They're the only two people that they can definitely for sure say have no hand in the conspiracy and are trying as hard as they can to stop it. That's where yeah. it ends. And again, they can't even go to a town where it looks like, okay, this is we're going to find out the secrets of this cult and they're going to be evil and possession. Great. And 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 even the alien conspiracy has its hand in this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. Well, well maybe um the the last thing I want to say about about Red Museum is uh I want to talk about the scene where Mulder wipes off Scully's face because <laughs> I I like it's a it's a very 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 minor moment but I think it really speaks to the growing intimacy between them and <laughs> we haven't really talked about the whole will they or won't they thing of Mulder and Scully I'm not super interested in it myself no. and I uh never really was a Mulder and Scully shipper they're they're not my uh you know OTP as the kids say these days but I don't know I mean do you, are you getting a a sexual or romantic no. vibe off of them Again, I've always said they're 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 surrogate siblings. She is kind of a replacement for Samantha in some ways, but they've grown to be big brother little sister kind of a thing. That's 
I mean, the moment especially, it's very teasing. He, he's amused by the fact that Scully, who is normally very put together, very, you know, has sauce all over her place because she's just devoured a plate of really good ribs. Like, he finds that funny, and he's, you know, wiping her, wiping the sauce off her mouth to tease her. Because, you know, that's, it, again, it doesn't seem romantic or sexual to me. It just seems like they enjoy each other's company and they can find each other amusing. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. And if they have a little bit of a more intimate relationship than your normal uh, FBI yeah. uh, agent pairing, well, they're also Given- cogs in a vast <laughs> government conspiracy to hide the, the, the truth of aliens. Yeah, they, they have a closer than even most uh, FBI partner relationships just based on... <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it for this episode of Tuning In. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, Firewalker or Red Museum, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. Patreon is a website where you can give us money every month to support our podcasts if you enjoy them. Thank you. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning In Show is our username in all those places, so... Follow us, like us, tweet at us, leave us Instagram comments, post on our Facebook wall, all kinds of crazy stuff you can do in this day and age of social media. Do that. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we are going to be talking about the X-Files episodes Excelsis Day and Aubrey. Mac, why do you...